Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Darko Audio Podcast. With me today is Mads Bukart from Denmark. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. I'm from Denmark. And uh, thank you for having me on the podcast. My pleasure. Now, we're chatting today because you run a fairly new loudspeaker company, but I understand the origins for your company go back further than people might think. Is that right? Yeah, well, Bukat Audio opened its doors first in 2013, uh, but yeah, our origins went back to 2008, where we started to work on some of the, the first designs where me and uh, my old school buddy, Casper, uh, uh, started a company called uh, Rabu Acoustics, which was uh-huh. actually a DIY uh, company that sold DIY parts for uh, for um, yeah, speaker builders. And uh, we also uh, did uh, DIY kits as well. So mm. that was that was how we started. When did you first bring out um, your first passive speaker under the Bukat name? That was in 2013. Then we we actually, we sold a few pairs before that under under our old name uh, before we transitioned into Bukat Audio officially. But mm. uh, but yeah, officially the company was founded in two, uh, 2013. Which S version was the first one? It was the S300 along with the S200, which is a discontinued oh. model now. We had quite a bit more success with the s400 which i think a lot of people that that know bukhart audio know um, they know they yeah, they know us for for the s400 basically but uh, but yeah the s300 we had that for for a long time and it's it's more it's more of a standard two-way uh, loudspeaker that's that everybody knows as a <laughs> as a normal stand mount loudspeaker with a with a bass reflex port and so it's a it's a standard one where uh, the s400 is it's more advanced design so to say Okay, what what makes it more advanced? Well, we use uh, we use passive radiators, which we actually also um, did on the S two hundred, but also uh, a custom uh, designed waveguide uh, on it. So um, well, the the basic idea behind the S four hundred was to uh, to to capture some of the um, the uh, the qualities of and scale uh, that the S three hundred has. Uh, but, mm. but doing it in a much uh, smaller cabinet, so size was uh, was one of the things that we really uh, were designing for, and high performance in a in a small package. Right. So, can I ask you a technical question? And forgive me if this is you're not able to answer this in sort of layman's terms. Is what for you? What's the advantage of moving from say a reflex port to a passive radiator? Well, I'm no I'm no engineer, but uh, I, I do know a little bit about the science. Um, uh, and it's not. I'm not personally doing all the designs. I'm of course uh, mm-hmm. with the uh, the whole process and and doing the um, the tuning as well with the engineers. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the main benefit is uh, is to to be able to reduce the cabinet size and still still keep a very low bass tuning of the speaker, um, mm. which is not pos- possible with uh, with the bass reflex port. And you also get rid of uh, port chuffing and uh, all the noise that uh, that a port does, and all the mm-hmm. uh, it it can start to compress a bit when you are when you're playing uh, extremely loud on a on a ported speaker as well. So it, it has a lot of benefits, but it's all of course also has uh, some drawbacks, which is standard for all types of designs. They have benefits and drawbacks. So there are, there are no no perfect speaker in this world, and uh, I think that most will agree with that. But um, but the the big drawback is uh, it it it, uh, it takes some of the sensitivity uh, from the speaker. Ah, um, uh, okay. Yeah. 
See, one of the th- one of the um, the main factors that drew me to your company actually wasn't the speakers themselves, or well, not only. It was the fact that you do free worldwide shipping yeah. that includes all import duties and taxes, and you have like a time limited home demo. Yeah, and then forty five days. Forty five days, and then do you pay for the shipping backwards as well? Um, well, we actually used to, but. Uh... Hmm. But in order to minimize people that just plain out utilize <laughs> the, uh, the right, service, right. We, we, we set a, a fixed number uh, or a fixed fee uh, on 25 euros, no matter where you live. And, uh, and for, the, for the A700, which is our much larger, uh, larger floor standard that are soon mm. coming out, the, the fee is 150. So it's, it's quite a bit more than the standard fee. But um, that's like it, yeah. So you have a fee basically to stop tire kickers, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that makes sense. But it's I think it's amazing because I think, you know, if like the average consumer looking at your website and just thinking, well, I can just try these at home, click buy now, they'll arrive at my door no matter where I live, it's the same, you know, same price. Yeah. Which I think is phenomenal. And it's not it's not very common. But I wondered, did you ever consider going through the distributor dealer routes and going the more traditional way with getting your speakers into the market. Oh yeah, sure. Uh, we we that was actually the idea when we started. Um, mm. If we were right back a bit, um, the reason why we started the company was actually to provide um, better value speakers, so that we can we we had an an idea to to make better speakers at, at an affordable price. But um, when you start to start up a company and you you quickly learn that uh, that there is a lot more going into it than just parts cost uh, for a speaker. So uh, so we we wanted to uh, to do something different uh, or to figure out a way to to sell the speakers uh, as cheap as we could uh, mm-hmm. without compromising the uh, the qualities of the components we're using in the, in the speaker. So so that was the reason why we went uh, direct. Um, but uh, but we have tried uh, in a few key places around the world to have a distributor to help us out, mm. but uh, but we we can't of course uh, offer anywhere near the same margins that our competitors can because our pricings are based on direct sales. So um, so we don't have the margins built in for for distributors. But um, yeah, that's that's how uh, how it went. So I mean, I'm looking at a pair of say S400 in white, eighteen hundred euros, right? Yeah, that that's in the, your direct sale model. Have you, do you have an idea of what they would have sold for had they gone through a distributor and a dealer? Well, there is of course some of uh, in the in the price we have also uh, built in some some margin for self for shipping, of course, and also mm. to help uh, people with the import cost. Um, so normally, um, when when we are contacted by uh, distributors that want to uh, to sell Bukhart Audio, they they expect at least uh, a fifty percent margin on the speakers. Wow! But um, but it, it it will not be like taking the eighteen hundred and uh, and and slapping fifteen percent or uh, or fifty percent on the price. I would say mm. more like thirty to maybe forty percent more expensive uh, if if they were to be sold in a store. So they would be closer to well, probably just over three thousand, maybe three thousand four hundred. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, right. Yeah, I think this is. I mean, this is one of the the great um, uh, advantages of going direct is that you don't have to factor in dealer and distributor margins, and you can therefore you can just build a speaker and then sell it at a yep. sort of co- cost plus pricing, 
yeah, we're we're not we're not as uh, affected by uh, component cost as uh, as normal manufacturers are, uh, mm. because they um, we 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 can if if you take the S four hundred as an example, we it, it uses pretty expensive uh, components compared to its price, and especially if you look at the crossover compared to our competitors. So mm. um, and it, it is the crossover is normally a place where many of uh, of of the brands out there do a lot of savings because no no customers does. Uh, does uh, ever see the the, cro- the crossover? Don't even care. They uh, mm. they more care about the aesthetics of the speaker and uh, of course how they sound in the end. But um, but we um, we we focus much more on uh, on the, the the performance itself and and then uh, the uh, the aesthetics afterwards, which is why they are they're pretty plain looking. But we uh, we also want to keep it uh, as simple as elegant and basically Scandinavian as uh, as possible. Yeah, I mean, I would say that they have that sort of cool, but very sort of Danish yeah. aesthetic. You know, they don't they don't stand out, but equally, they're not ugly. I mean, they're very sort of nice, clean lines, and I mean, I think they're pretty stylish. I'm, I mean, I'm looking as you know, I'm looking at a pair right now. We'll come to those in a moment, but I'm looking at the S400 on your website, and on the front baffle, we've got a wave guided tweeter on the bottom of the baffle, and then a mid bass driver on the top. Yeah. And then on the back, as we've touched on before, there's a passive radiator. And that's the S400. That's a passive speaker. But your latest model, the A500, is an active speaker. And you've inverted the the tweeter and the mid-bass driver on the front baffle so that the tweeter is now back on the top, where most people, I think, would expect it to be. Yeah. <laughs> Don't always <laughs> say so. Yeah. And, but on the back, you've got another active bass driver. Yeah. Right? So this is... Could you explain why you had to flip flip around the the drivers on the front? Yeah, the flip around uh, happened during the uh, the S four hundred uh, design process, and uh, the reason for it is um, the waveguide we uh, we have constructed to this extremely small nineteen millimeter tweeter mm. is fairly deep, and uh, and in order to get the the phase alignment completely right uh, on the S four hundred, we actually need to. To do the opposite of what you're normally doing in a high-end speaker, where you, where you see this slant cabinet and the uh, the tweeter on the, on the top, um, so mm. so the opposite uh, we had to to do on the S400, which was still doing a slant cabinet, uh, not very much. It's it's only two degrees, so it's very subtle, and mm. then uh, place the tweeter underneath the uh, the mid-range to get the uh, the um, yeah the phase just right on the speaker. So for people that are listening here, that's the the arrival of all frequencies. Well, the, theoretically, the arrival of all frequencies um, at the ear at the same yeah, time. Yeah, exactly. Right. It, it's it's something that most speakers don't take into consideration, uh, and it's something that's that you you normally only see when you get up to more expensive speakers. Um, mm. So our S three hundred as an example, and the S two hundred we had uh, before, they didn't uh, they didn't uh, deal with that issue. Right, so the the sloped front baffle is also part of the the time alignment design, right? Yeah, and if we take it to the A five hundred, then we just flip it around. We still have a slant cabinet. Actually, it's it's more um, slant or sloped. I don't know what you, what you call it uh, than the S four hundred. Um, but uh, but here we can do the time alignment in the uh, the DSP instead, so we don't have mm. the same uh, issue we have to deal with physically. 
Uh, ah, okay. So for people that obviously, because with this is a podcast conversation, we can't show these speakers. But if you look at the the A five hundred from the side, it looks like it's leaning backwards. Yeah, right. Exactly. It looks like it's being hit with a a huge blast of wind, and it's just kind of <laughs> careening yeah. backwards. Yeah. Right. Now, obviously, there there must be much larger design challenges. I guess they're obviously, I guess maybe it's not obvious, large design challenges when designing an active speaker over a passive, or is that not the case? I mean, was this a... That is absolutely the case. Uh, okay, okay. The, um, the, the project of the S400, if you take that first, it, it took us about three years, and it was mm -hmm. mainly into uh, to the waveguide design. We, we spent a lot of time on that, to really perfecting that uh to a to a point that it it couldn't couldn't actually perform any better than it does, um, but um, and and for the for the A five hundred it was a much tougher uh, process. I think uh, doing active speakers and doing them right, that's that takes a lot more time than uh, than than creating a passive speaker. Uh, mm -hmm. There is just so many things, so many more things you have to take into consideration. Of course, you can do a lot with the uh, with the DSP work. There is a you you have a lot more say doors opening uh, mm. compared to when you are when you're designing on the on the restrictions on the uh, passive speakers. They have passive speakers just have uh, a lot of limitations, um, mm -hmm. which you don't have when you're going active. But uh, but there is also a lot of things that can go wrong when you're doing active speakers. So um, mm. so th that that project for the A500 it basically took us uh, nearly four years uh, up to this point. And we are still developing on them uh, as we speak, and that is the beauty of them: is that they they are more like a, a speaker platform. Um, so we have these so-called master tunings, which is basically our way to completely alternate or change how the speaker behave and perform. Um, mm. And we can we can keep on developing on this and just uploading new master tunings for our customers to to try and download, and then they can basically get multiple speakers in one so when when you get the a500 out of the box they are a standard two and a half way design uh okay. where we yeah and if you want a three-way design or you want something specialized in in the tuning you can you can download that and and later on also on top of that um, configuration you can also uh, use our advanced equalizer it's not released yet but we are working on it currently and uh, so, so if people want to Furthermore, change uh, the character of the sound. They can they can do that. Let, let's just go back through that a little bit more slowly, because uh, people who are not familiar with with what a master tuning is, yeah, is is basically it's an adjustment to the DSP settings inside the speaker, right? But before we get to that, we must talk about there are three drivers, three amps, three DACs, right? Yeah, is that correct? Exactly. Yeah, that's correct. So, so base, and then you've got a DSP feeding. Well, a DSP crossover network feeding those three drivers, and then the, if you change the DSP, you can change how those drivers are fed and by what frequency ranges, right? Yes, exactly. And, and also, you can change the slopes as well. Yeah. But master tunings, the way I understand it, is you download a file from your website, you put it onto a USB stick, you insert it into the back of the speaker and power cycle the speaker. Yeah. And then that installs a different DSP. Um, oh, what's the word? Firmware yeah. setup thing, exactly. yeah. right? <laughs> Firmware setup thing yeah. um, into each speaker, and then it, it changes the way that the, the DSP controls the amplifiers that then control the drivers, yeah. right? Yeah. So it's it's much further than just equalization. It's uh, it's it's 
fundamentally uh, changing how how they they potentially perform, and um, yeah, it's it's changing the heart of the speaker. So um, so so the, and and inside the speaker we have uh, we have three drivers. We have the two uh, two um, base midbrains uh, woofers, and they are separated inside into each of their own cabinet. Okay. Uh, so we so we can do even more with it if you want to. Um, Potentially, we can we can have the back woofer doing a cardioid, uh, or um, yeah, we uh, the reason why we have it uh, separated into, into two is is basically because of time uh, domains, time differences between when you're playing a front driver and and the back driver. We need to be able to to have them in phase when we're doing the designs, so that mm. the air pressure inside uh, they it's, yeah they basically need to have each of their own cabinet inside to work. Properly. So, um, but yeah, the, the master tunings is it is just uh, it's something new. I, I have not seen other companies uh, done it to to this extent. Many many companies mm-hmm. have have offered uh, apps where you can equalize the the speakers, and we will do that as well. But that that is something completely different than than changing the speaker. It's basically like building uh, putting in a new crossover to a passive speaker. Right, right. Yeah. So, and so this so. F- I mean, we'll get to the streaming connectivity in a moment, but you have a pair of XLR inputs or one on each speaker. So you could use them as a very sort of, I guess, in in inverted commas, traditional active speaker where you feed it with a preamp or something like that. Yeah. But so the master tunings do affect any analog input coming in. Is that right? Yes, that is uh, that is done inside the speaker, the, the master yes. tuning. So whatever you put in of master tuning, no matter if you use it uh, with the, the wiser capabilities, with it, which is the wireless uh, functionality you have in them, or you use them as a traditional uh, active speaker where you just plug in uh, an XLR from, from your existing preamp. The, right. the master tunings are affecting uh, everything. Right, got it. So the master tunings affects everything. I mean, I'm making a point of this because when we come over to the streaming hub, so it's um, a sort of a small black box um, that is Rune ready, has, does it have Spotify? Yeah, it has Spotify Connect. Mm -hmm. It it has Chromecast built in. So those are my three favorite things, right? I call that the the holy trinity of streaming. They're in this box. And AirPlay also. also. And and AirPlay. (laughs) And there's an analog input. There is uh, USB coaxial Toslink, HDMI as well. Yeah. So it's a fairly comprehensive box, and you can feed that. Now, can you explain to us how the signal travels from that black box to the speakers wirelessly? The yeah, the the wireless uh, connectivity is is based on the technology called Wiser. And mm-hmm. uh, and Weiser is uh, is actually a separate company that uh, mm-hmm. that offers uh, the the best uh, solution for for wireless audio and wireless connectivity mm-hmm. between uh, a source and an active speaker. Um, and Weiser is uh, it's 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 fairly new, but uh, it has been around for some time, and it's uh, it's really starting to uh, to kick into gear right now. And uh, a lot mm-hmm. of companies are joining Weiser. But it, uh, the reason why we choose Wiser instead of a closed system that, that we see many other companies do, they, they make their own uh, protocols in terms of wireless uh, connectivity between their hub and the speaker. Mm. If, uh, if you want Wiser, of course, it, it costs a licensing fee, but it's, it's not that bad. <laughs> but, uh, but it makes mm-hmm. the speaker so much more flexible and future-proof for the customers as well. So let's say that you, you don't like our stereo hub and uh, you mm-hmm. want something better. 
uh, or uh, something different or have have mm. other needs then uh, then you can you can go out and find uh, another preamp or um, that that has wiser built in as well and a good mm. example of this will be primer or premier yes yes yeah they have uh, their preamps also have uh, wiser built in so uh, so from them you can actually uh, connect those speakers directly to them wirelessly same mm-hmm. thing goes with uh, newer LG TVs. Those, um, if you start on one of those and have our speakers turned on, it will automatically pop up on the speaker as a, as a Bukhara audio speaker that you can just connect wirelessly to that. And many other products as well. And you can also mix and match uh, different speakers to our hub. If you want to have more speakers connected than just our speakers to our hub, uh, it can be BRO uh, speakers, a Bang and Olufsen. Uh, mm-hmm. Clips also have some Wiser speakers and subwoofers. And there are many brands that, uh, that are joining Wiser. So, um, so uh, and I, I like to, to offer a more flexible solution for our customers. And it was the whole mm-hmm. idea behind the, uh, the project of the A500 and A700, our active speakers, is that we, we want uh, to build a very flexible platform instead of something that is closed um, so that the customers basically have the freedom to choose what they like to use them with mm. so because i mean as i say i'm looking at a pair of a500s right now i've just set them up and the only cable i need to connect to each speaker is the mains power cable yeah there's no ethernet in between the two speakers there is i mean yes there would be xlrs if i was feeding it that way but i'm feeding it from your stereo hub wirelessly using wiser and i, I notice on the back panel of each speaker you can configure the speaker's sort of operational role to be front left, front right, but also rear left, rear right. I think sides as well. Am I? Yeah. Did I? And then is there? A, there's a sub, no. There won't be a sub option on these, but it looks like they could be expanded into a home theater type scenario wirelessly in the future. Yeah, exactly. That that is also one of the ideas behind Wiser. It is uh, mm. it is to build wireless. Um, Dolby Atmos uh, setups as well. Oh, uh, okay. yeah. So, so, so they they are also ready to to do that, and and we will. Uh, I can't say when just now, but we are working on uh, a, a surround hub as well that that support everything uh, within mm. this uh, yeah this area. So, uh, so yeah, they can if you have a if you have a, a receiver, a wiser, uh, not a receiver, a sender, wiser sender that that does mm. support the. Uh, the surround. I think there are a few products out there uh, that does it. Then you can you can use them right now as a as a, in a surround setup. But with the hub that we have right now, it's only a stereo hub that will do left, right, or mono. But you can still connect sixteen speakers to it. <laughs> but, uh, but you have only yeah you have only one volume control. <laughs> so I could get oh actually because yeah I could get two more and run them as pseudo rears yeah. and have a sort of like a a fake. No, oh, I don't want to say quadraphonic because quadraphonic nerds will at me but like yeah. <laughs> you basically have like left and right front and rear and have this kind of crazy surround system yeah. even though it's not technically surround yeah. sound yeah you can you can also if you want to run a, um more speakers in your home let's say you have so many offices well you can you can buy a, a pair or just one more if you want a mono speaker in your kitchen and uh, mm. and then uh, connect one more hop as well in your in your system and you can you can run them in a multi-channel not a multi-channel but a a multi-room setup where you also can control the volume independently if if you want to do that. So so there's a lot of options.
also inside your hub is the possibility for room correction yeah. right yeah now right now that you you have to sort of do that by waving a phone around an iOS device because it's not Android yet is it it's only iOS at the moment yeah yeah but wait basically waving a iOS device around yeah, around you look the pretty room stupid when you're doing it <laughs> right so, but it's, I guess it's pretty similar to the sort of Sonos type yeah um correction yeah. right yeah. I mean yeah because I feel so stupid doing it it doesn't feel very scientific to me no so can you can you explain to us like how, how this actually works yeah well we um we actually go to great length on our detailed description page under the a500 and a700 um mm. a lot about the room correction because i know and it was my feeling too when you are when you are um, set to do a room correction with a phone it feels more like a gimmick uh, yes yeah and uh, and it's far from that it's actually it's 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 brilliant engineering that have uh, also taken a lot of lot of time it's not mm. it's not something that Bukhart Audio has invented or mm. spend all the money for engineering uh, to, to do as well. You will see this room correction uh, also uh, be available in other products in the future. And uh, System Audio, which also have a platform that is yeah, pretty yeah. similar, but not 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 quite to, to yeah. ours. Uh, they also offer the same uh, type of room correction, which is um, uh, developed and uh, here in Denmark has, has been under development for, for quite some years now. But the, the beauty of it is its simplicity uh, and, and how well it actually works. Um, and I can't go into extreme detail on how it works and what it does, but uh, <laughs> some of the engineers can. But, but basically, when, when, you are, when you're starting the room correction, first of all, we have, um, they have been calibrated from uh, all the iPhones from 6S and up to the newest model. So each mm -hmm. model of uh, phone has been calibrated, and the reason we, uh, they, they choose iPhones is because they uh, they are the only phone uh, that they can that they could trust uh, the quality control and microphones to be uh, be good enough on. They oh, are okay. bad microphones and they do a lot of noise, but as, as long as you know they are all equally as bad, you can correct for that uh, with the calibration files for each phone. And the app will uh, okay. automatically choose that calibration file depending on what phone you're using with it. And uh, to get rid of all the noise, well, then we just do a ton of measurements. It's, it's thousands of measurements within that one minute uh, when you're walking around with the, uh, with the remote, uh, with the phone, sorry. Yeah. So, so basically, what, what we're trying to achieve with it is um, is is to uh, to get rid of room modes and nasty issues that the room uh, introduce um, at sub 300 hertz. So so it's basically only bass that it's touching, and right. it's also the reason why we can get away with using the phone microphones because you will still have some deviation uh, oh. from the phones, but but it's uh, it, it's not really uh, that important when you're doing uh, the low frequency measurement. Mm. Um, we will. And are right now also working on a dedicated microphone uh, so that uh, you can get that with the system and also use it on Androids as well. So um, yeah, but but when you do the measurements, it's it gathers a lot of the uh, the inf uh, information you are you're getting from the room, and um, and then the idea is that you use the horsepower of the phone because we have pretty powerful phones these days mm. uh, to uh, to sort of um, 
calibrate or calculate and uh, and compile all the data that they, that they receive um, to uh, to give you a, a very good correction file that you can then transfer uh, transfer down to uh, to our hub and let it be there. So if you don't own an an iPhone, you can just borrow one and do the yeah. room correction. It takes five minutes and press enable uh, on the app. And then you have the room correction forever until you reset the hub or you actually uh, disable it again um, via the uh, the app. So uh, so it's easy to just borrow a phone and, and do the room correction. And So the, the, um, the correction filter, um, is it a parametric EQ? Is that what it is? Uh, no, it's uh, it's more advanced than that. I think it's it's via filters uh, and okay. a lot of different things. Uh, I, I can't recall just uh, <laughs> just now, but but if people are very interested in how it works, I, I will I will be happy to uh, to uh, expand. And you can also read uh, a lot of the text that we have done on the on the website. Mm. We have uh, we have fairly much uh, written about it. So basically, it, it creates an acoustic. 3D acoustic map of the room or your listening area yeah. and then tries to correct for that. And then the phone app creates a filter, a correction filter, a file, yeah. but then you upload into the hub. So this is, I mean, this is the reason I was making sure that people understood that um, uh, uh, the tuning installation is different to the room correct, correction installation. Yeah, it's, it's way different. Because it, it lives it lives in the hub. So yeah. if, you, if you do room correction and then you still are running – the A500 with X, with an XLR source, then the room correction doesn't apply, does it? It only applies no. to yeah. streams that come through that digital hub. Yes, exactly. The the, right. the room correction file is uh, yeah, it's it's basically sent to the hub and stored in the, into the hub. So uh, mm. whatever source you run to the hub will have the room correction on. But if if you are running without the hub, you will you will only get the uh, yeah, the use of the master tunings, not not the room correction. If you're running them uh, analog in via the XLR, right? But we are so, actually also working on on subwoofers that have the room correction built right into them, instead of being uh, forced to use the hub if you don't like to. And so, so there are there will be options. So, how many master tunings do you have at the moment, Mads? Oh, I think it's about five or six on the website right now. Uh, and uh, we have mm, maybe fifteen. We have tried uh, working on. It's it's not all wow. that uh, that uh, mm. that are finished uh, yet. We have a lot of ideas, and we also welcome ideas. If somebody have a brilliant idea of uh, what, mm. what to do, then then we are we are open minded to uh, to trying things out. But um, but yeah, it's uh, the idea of the master tunings is is also to to get the tour, the the speaker more uh, tailored to your needs. Let's say mm-hmm. that you, you you just want extremely deep bass. You don't play very loud. Then then there is mass tuning for that. If you want uh, a, a more mid range focused uh, freeway presentation where deep bass is not that important, we have a mass tuning for that, and and so on. So it's uh, if you want highest bells as well, we uh, we also uh, are working on our mass tunings for that. You, you can call that a party master tuning if you will. <laughs> but uh, but the the uh, the options and flexibility of it it is nearly endless, and that that is one of the things that I really love about uh, about this this type of product. Product. I mean, I mean, this is the beauty of DSP, isn't it? Yeah, it this is, is this is it, where the sort of the um, the purists, especially turntable vinyl purists, who wouldn't have DSP anywhere near their mm, their uh, yeah. you know their record player, they really kind of they lo- I think they miss out because, as we all know, the room is the 
the, the biggest influence influence on, on, yeah. on sound, right? Yeah. So the DSP inside your speaker, but also inside your stereo hub, can compensate for that or to taste as well. So yeah. you get all these wonderful options with a, an active DSP speaker that you can't get unless you engage DSP. Yeah. But it also makes my job quite difficult because yeah, it does. People, say, people say to me like, okay, John, how do these A500 sound? Well, I go, well, it just depends upon <laughs> which, which master tuning you have. And then I have to go and talk about how they differ. I mean, there is, yeah. there is obviously an, an innate and innate characteristic to these speakers. So, I mean, if I would, if I may be so bold as just to give you my very short first impression, I mean, that the the low end on them is honestly it is staggering for such a sort of pint sized type speaker. Yeah. I've never heard something really go quite as low from such a small box, and it's very clear. Like it's you can it's you know it's very sort of well separated from the rest of the frequency spectrum. Um, was that was that something like this? One, we're talking about the, the stock tuning here, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Was that something you aimed for, or was it just something you were like, "Oh, we've got that great"? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, of uh, we we uh, we have gotten a lot of feedback from uh, tons of customers, and that that mm. is also one of the uh, one of the things why I I love the direct sales model is that I I'm not only uh, distributing to a to a dealer and they mm. distribute it out to customers. I'm in direct contact with nearly all my customers. And right. It is, uh, right now, it's uh, it's what I spend most of my time. It is just to to email back and forth with, uh, with right. a lot of customers. So so I, I, I get a lot of feedback on, on what people think about uh, mm. about our sound and, and what we have done with the different things. So the A500, it, it gives a lot of things that I feel a lot of people uh, missed in the S, S400. And um, the basis is uh, it, it's it's because it's possible uh, with it, and it's uh, it's only possible to uh, to, to do that in uh, in active speak if if you go with a sealed system like uh, like we have uh, on right. the A five hundred because then you're not you're not restricted uh, to uh -huh. the limitation of a passive radiator's tuning or a bass reflex tuning. Right. We can actually control how deep the speakers go, and we can change. How 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 uh, how the tuning is on the bass, and we can also do that on the fly. So mm -hmm. if you if you play very loud, uh, they will not play 25 hertz because there are only so much uh, four six inch uh, woofers can do, even though they are long throw woofers. Mm. But um, but at, at normal listening levels, up to uh, to 93 dBs in the, mm -hmm. in the, well, I think it was two meters we measured that. It, it, it is the maximum uh, SPL um, for for the twenty hertz, twenty five hertz um, capabilities of them. Mm. So, um, so yeah, so is it's it, uh, sorry. Is, so, what's where do the where do these go down to, and what's the you know what's the six dB roll off point? They go down to twenty five hertz at zero dB. So, oh, wow. um, okay. yeah, and and then they just fall off. Very hard. <laughs> so, okay. So, so uh, we also have a tuning where we have set them to uh, to zero dB at twenty two hertz. But um, but that that is suitable for uh, for smaller rooms or, or people that, mm. that use them maybe up close um, or not listening uh, to uh, to music that loud. If people are in an apartment where they have uh, neighbors to uh, take into account, they they can mm. use that tuning. 
So, um, so yeah, they, uh, it is pretty impressive when you're when you're looking at the uh, the measurements of them, and it's it's something that would never have been possible in a, in a passive speaker, not at all, uh, in, when you're considering the size that they have. Mm. So, so that that is one thing. But uh, but to come back to to the more clear sound they have, well, that is something that we have noticed. A lot of the customers have been reporting back on, uh, and it is they they have a, a slightly different tuning. Um, a tuning profile than than the S four hundred had. We can we can certainly get that back if uh, if people like that. And that's also one of the things that the master tuners can help you with, or the EQ that uh, will be available as well. So it's it's just always you cannot you cannot tune a speaker to fit uh, everybody's taste. It's mm-hmm. uh, and and that that is uh, all the feedback we have gotten from uh, from customers over the years with the S four hundred. It is that some think they are perfectly balanced. Other things that they might be too bright, and other mm-hmm. thing uh, things uh, that they they might be too warm in the top end. It just depends on your room, your gear, your personal preference, and, and so on. So it's it's impossible to hit something that everybody likes and everybody loves. But mm. it, it you get much closer uh, to uh, to at least giving people the option of choosing uh, with uh, with the A five hundred and the extra speakers. Am I right in in thinking that you also did something with Fletcher Manson curves inside yep. the speaker? Yeah. Can you can you explain to us what how that works? Yes, it is. Uh, um, it it will work its best if you have done the room correction because then the speaker knows exactly what room they're in and and mm. how they perform and how loud they play. Um, but uh, but it is like. In the older days, and I think you can find some amplifiers still, they had this old loudness button mm-hmm. uh, that we all know and, uh, and many um, enthusiasts uh, love to hate as well. The idea <laughs> behind it was, was to correct for the Fletcher Munson curve. Uh, and, and basically what that is, uh, if you go onto our website again, we have a lot of description, a lot of um, text on this as well. Right now, it's, 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 there is a newer curve that is called ISO. Two two six two zero zero three, which is actually a, a, a more recent, um, yeah, Fletcher Munson curve, uh, mm. and and so what it means is actually that we we humans we don't hear linear, uh, depending yes. on 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 how loud the the volume is uh, mm. on the speakers, so it's a it's a compensation for our built-in error uh, basically in our hearing. So, but it, it's something that we only uh, activate on the speakers when you're playing sub uh, 70 dBs. So, so basically, the, the, the lower the SPL, the more the Fletcher Munson, Munson sorry, curve corrects for. Is it bottom end and a little bit of treble as well? Yeah, it, yeah, basically it is. Uh, it is bass and and, and treble. Um, the uh, so so when when you're playing at at low volumes, you will you will get mm. much more of the uh, the the feel back into the music, the dynamics, and uh, it's 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 basically sounds linear, even if mm. you're playing on a, on a very low uh, low volume, uh, low playback volume. So it's uh, it's it's it was actually developed uh, first for, uh, for 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 the use uh, in a, in a studio environment because uh, when you are mixing and mastering. You need to do that at a at a reference level, and it's it uh, to to have the 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 feeling of uh, a linear sound. Um, so so it, it was to help uh, studio engineers to be able to turn down the volume so that they can work without mm-hmm. listening fatigue for many more hours than they're used to. 
and still mm. get the the perception of what's uh, linear sound. Um, the um, the old school loudness button on an amplifier it never worked because it, it was just like shooting uh, yeah in the dark. Mm. <laughs> so so this is a, this is a way of doing it right. But the, the the basic idea of the two things are the same. It's just uh, executed correctly instead of uh, a guessing. That you did on the amplifiers in the older days, and it, it really works. And then the, the customers that have uh, have have, feed, uh, have given me feedback on it are truly impressed by how how well they sound when you are listening at low volumes. I mean, this is the thing about stand mount loudspeakers and passive stand mounts is that I hear this a lot from people. They say, "I like this speaker, but I find I have to turn the volume up quite a bit before it really comes alive." Yeah, and th- that is absolutely not the case with your loudspeaker. No, you're active no, no, no. because even at low volumes you can still hear that bass moving and yeah. you still get the sense of spaciousness right exactly which which obviously is an, yet another advantage of dsp it is yeah because you can't yeah. you can't do it any other, well I, I can't imagine you could do it any, any other way but maybe you can but I well know. <laughs> I, I know um a lot of uh, a lot of the guys that are working in studios they have a uh, sort of from when they are turning down the volume on, on a normal studio monitor, they have uh, equalizers to activate on, on a certain uh, volume. But uh, mm-hmm. it's it's still a guesswork, but it is also to compensate for this uh, this this phenomenon. And it's it's mm-hmm. something that that has I don't think many uh, that are into hi-fi knows about because uh, it's never really talked about that mm. issue even though it's it's very uh, common uh, commonly knowledge uh, in the studio business but it, it's like digging into to the rabbit hole there is so much information and also so much misinformation mm. when you're going into uh, to acoustics and and all that stuff it's uh, it's it's extremely complicated. I, I still get confused from time to time because I I don't fully understand it as I'm I'm not an engineer, so mm. uh, but I'm trying to learn as well as like everybody else. But it, it is I have I have learned from basically experience and being on so many shows with the same mm. system and, huh. and playing on the same system uh, at yeah almost thousand different rooms and hearing how it can go from just sounding incredible to sounding mm. mediocre to sounding right out horrible <laughs> to the point that you're just uh, at, at a show and you you, you just rather well, just want to peg everything down and drive home again and crying <laughs> because <laughs> it the, the the surroundings and the acoustics and the setups and everything is it's just so it, it means so much for the for the overall sound mm. and um, and that that is also Many of the things that that we wanted to do with the DSP speaker uh, of the active speakers, it is to to remove a lot of these issues uh, yeah. from the room, and and that was also the idea behind the wave gu- waveguide, was also to make uh, to make the the presentation better in room, so to, to mm-hmm. work better with reflections from your room and all that stuff. Mm. So, but it's it gets so complicated that I think many normal people or people that that uh, I into hi-fi just uh, just simply can't start looking at it because it's too confusing. Well, it's also you, it takes a lot of time, and I think you could shortcut a lot of that. I mean, for example, you were saying like you were looking for suggestions for master tunings. So I have one for you. Yeah. Is that is it possible to create a master tuning so that I can put the speakers very close to the front wall so they're not yeah. having to be pulled out? Yeah, you can do that already now, uh, and that, oh. that's what the the room correction is for. Um, 
we I have done a lot of tests as well on that. Uh, but uh, it's easy to take put them close to the wall. You can easily see when you have uh, when you're doing a room correction that you have a lot of extra gain and especially in in your room modes areas in the yes. space and and yeah. the room correction will take care of that um of course it's always better to to give them some air uh, they they usually sound uh, sound better with you if you take them out into a room but uh, but uh, mm. a lot of customers they are restricted to uh, to how they they need to to have the speakers placed in their room and some need to place them right up in the corner in a bookcase mm. uh it's it's rare that that we see customers can place speakers optimally in a room, and mm. and yeah, the room creation really helps helps a lot with uh, with all the base issues that are that are going to happen. Yeah, we right. Fix everything, of course, but uh, uh, we cannot do anything about reverberation. Reverb, yeah, basically reverb times in in your yeah. room, but um, but those are are more easy to handle and deal with. Um, uh, f- yeah, physically with uh, room treatment, carpets and, and stuff like that. But but starting to 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 treat the base, the lower frequencies, you just you you just need so much material uh, in your room that it's 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 impractical for <laughs> for many people to uh, to incorporate huge base traps uh, into the rooms. So well, you're, you're talking my language because I've got four GIK base traps in here in diagonally opposite corners of the room and I'm going to put four more in next month. I'm going and to stack that will them. probably help you a lot again. Well, <laughs> it's I don't know, I'm stacking them to the ceiling. And yeah. do you know what? It's just to hit one frequency. It's about 35 hertz. I've got this mode. It's a problem mode and I'm just trying to tame it. And the first four have reduced it and I yeah. need to reduce it some more. So I'm just putting going to put another four in. Yeah. And the thing is, but you're right, most people would look at these and go, as attractive as they are, there is no way I'm having those in my living room just yeah. because they deal with acoustic problems. You know, family yeah. rooms, forget it. So, and I know that, you know, the sort of um, DSP and room correction software can't heal all wounds. It cannot fix all problems. But it, as somebody said to me recently, it was Danny from Rune. He said to me, you know, some room correction is better than none. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's, I don't know whether that's necessarily the case because I haven't done enough experimentation, but that's the point, isn't it? You've got to try these things out. I mean, I had yeah. a very, I had a very, very good experience with Dirac on the NAD amplifier mm. um, the last couple of weeks. I'm looking forward to you trying yours out as well. Yeah. Um, just to see how actually, but the thing is, I was applying Dirac to some, to some clips and some JBLs. And especially the JBLs, they really kind of push the limits of my room, especially that 35 hertz mode. For some reason, I don't know what it is, I just put in your speakers and just right out of the box, no master tuning, no room correction, they just sound great. Yeah. And I don't know whether it's because they're a smaller speaker, I've got no idea. So this is another example of finding the right speaker acoustically for your room, not just the one you like the look of, or you know maybe you want a big speaker, but that can often lead you into, you know, deep water with a yeah, simply problems, overloading right? your room yeah <laughs> well yeah it's yeah. Uh, it's it's very important to have have the speakers to to uh, to fit your room as well um mm. but yeah i when you're when you're going to to try the room correction i, I can't wait to hear your feedback on it uh, because it is exactly some of the things that it is directly is designed to uh, to work with and mm. let's if we take our uh, demo room uh 
we have a huge room mode and uh, we have a peak at it's 42 hertz uh-huh. just around 42 hertz uh, yeah. of, of nearly 9 dbs it's huge and it's yeah, yeah. devastating for the sound and it's not <laughs> only it's not only the, the you don't know even though the, the the issues might be in the lower uh, lower frequencies you still hear hear everything else get completely destroyed by that yes and um, and when we run a room correction it's completely gone and it, it it's not like uh, it sounds unnatural. It's it's just um, it fixes the issues so well uh, for us. And even if we we push the speakers very close to the wall, um, so it's uh, it's it, it it might not give the same effect for everybody. If you if you don't struggle with your room, then it might not do anything at all. But uh, mm. but I, I I will think for for most people the the room correction is a is a very welcome. Uh, feature on them and uh and they will get impressed even though you you look stupid when you walk around with that <laughs> that stupid iphone to do the <laughs> measurements and uh, but it but it, it really does work and um so so yeah I, I can't wait to hear how how it would work in your room uh, especially compared to drag as well because uh, i also have a lot of customers that have done direct comparisons and stuff mm. and it's uh, it's it's funny right i mean just just having um an active loudspeaker on your books, so to speak, and with with a streaming module and room correction and master tunings, does this create more challenges for you as a company in terms of technical support? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, very much to the point uh, that I, uh, I I need more employees to help me with the support. Right. Um, yeah. and, and and a lot of that has also been because. Um, the, the setup guide video uh, that I that I recently did uh, on mm-hmm. YouTube, it, it it wasn't out when we started shipping out the A five hundred to all the the customers that had pre ordered them, mm-hmm. so uh, so it, it was quite confusing uh, at first, but uh, but especially if it's uh, if it's the customers that have never tried to set up a streamer before, don't know how to how to set up a, a Chromecast or. A, uh, at an airplay speaker if they want to utilize the streaming you you don't mm. have to utilize the streaming i also have a lot of other customers that that simply uses um uh, a blue note uh, to the hub as well uh, blue sound yeah yeah blue sound yeah for yeah. for for uh, for the streaming instead of the one uh, one streaming um, functions we have built into it so um but yeah what? definitely so support is uh, is something of a different world compared to passive speakers there is there is mm. really not because everybody knows how to operate a passive speaker, it, it's fairly simple. Uh, so, um, so active speakers, and with all the features we have built in, it it is really feature packed. Uh, there is a, there can be a lot of questions from from customers, but um, but we 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 can we can still handle it, and uh, and to to keep the the reply time and and help for the customers uh, within a day, <laughs> but um, but we are all, all, always working on uh, on improving. Yeah, wow! You've you've really bitten off um, a, a large chunk of potential potential problems with with these speakers, but not 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 because they are problematic, but because they're just they can do so much. I mean, yeah. I can't I can't think of an active speaker that has so much user flexibility. And no, and that, that was that was also the point. Um, mm. But also, and it, when we when we talk about these speakers, they 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 tend to sound overly complicated. But uh, yeah. we also wanted it to to uh, to potentially just be the most simple system that you can use. It's, it should take you ten minutes to set them up, and then you are 
you're just ready to rock, and you you don't need to do anything of the the other um, all the other things with master tunings and not even room correction. Mm. You, they they can they can be a very very simple setup as well. And um, well, and, I can I can confirm that because I, I've just unboxed a pair, set them up. It took me, you know, it actually took me longer to take everything out of the box. Um, and then put the box away than it did to kind of just connect the hub. And then when the hub, when you power it up, it appears to the Google Home app on your phone, right? You must use yeah. the Google Home app to activate it. But with my Android phone, it just said, oh, you've got a new um, cast device on your network. Would you like to configure it? I'm like, yes, please. Do do all of that. And then I just have to pair the speakers with the hub. So like do the left and then do the right. Yeah. And that so the whole thing took me 15 minutes and then I'm playing with with Rune, with Spotify Connect, with Chromecast. I don't use AirPlay so much. I'm sorry. I'm just I'm just not a fan. Oh, um, I don't I'll, don't either. I'm I'm an Android user, <laughs> so I never well, use. I'll, I'll tell you why. Because people actually often ask me this. Why you know why don't you like AirPlay, John? It's because it's actually fine on a Mac. It's okay there, but on a on an iPhone, it really hammers the battery. So like if you're streaming because the because the um the music is is traveling from say the spotify server to your hi-fi system it travels through the phone yeah and that, right? that's that's the difference between right. that and, that spotify connect and, and cast right yeah. yeah yeah so with with cast it goes from the spotify server to your sound hub with spotify connect on that it does that and the same with rune as well with rune it goes from the server but yeah it, your phone is not involved so that, that yeah airplay i'm not a huge fan <laughs> sorry <laughs> No, I, I I have not used it so much, so I don't know. I always use uh, for for background listening. I'm always using Spotify Connect. I, th- I think it's by far the the best connectivity in terms of stability uh, mm-hmm. because uh, I'm using Tidal and and Tidal and, and Google Cast have have had some issues. I think they maybe still have that is not the most stable uh, connection to use. But um, but normally I I don't have too many issues with it. But right. when I have uh, when I have customers in the shop, uh, I always use Tidal and uh, and just re- streaming to to the Google Cast or I I play a plug a, a Raspberry Pi uh, into the hub instead and use that. I think that that, that that's a bit better in terms right. of quality. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes. Well, I don't know because mm-hmm. the thing is about Chromecast built-in is I mean I use it for SoundCloud and MixCloud, but personally. I wouldn't use it for Tidal or Cobas, and this is one of John's sort of special needs, is I want gapless playback. And Tidal and Cobas and Spotify as well, in fact, anything through the Chromecast doesn't doesn't give you gapless playback. There's a, it splices a tiny gap in between each tracks. Yeah. Now, for some people, they couldn't care less, right? But for audio nerds like me who listens to a lot of DJ mixes, live albums, it matters. Yeah. So th- this is, but I love Chromecast because of mainly because of SoundCloud because everything's yeah. usually like one long track on SoundCloud, um, and that for me is why I kind of really enthuse about its inclusion in devices like this. So I was I was so excited to see SoundCloud in here because it's not sorry not SoundCloud Chromecast because it's not so often spec'd as part of a product. But I think we're going to see more products that have Rune, Spotify Connect, and Chromecast built in. Yeah, it's 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 a matter of licensing, and uh, of course, it, it costs money to add add all these things. Uh, our Rune Ready is is coming very soon. I actually 
think that it might work already, but but it, we we need to be uh, completely certified. But uh, but we are, we're working it out with uh, with Rune uh, to this system to uh, to mm. get it officially certified because on our website it, it is not uh, a part of the system yet. Right. I don't even know why it's working <laughs> because it I, I don't think it should work right now. But uh, well, it is, uh, and <laughs> I mean it, it does say uncertified in my room set. I'm looking at the okay, right right. room setting, so it's like yeah. the little pink label. But I, I mean, as a reviewer who sees a lot of gear um, pretty early in its product cycle, I see this a lot. Yeah. You know, usually a product will come out, but Rune certification won't be in the bag just yet. Yeah. And so it appears as uncertified, but it still works. I wouldn't take it if it didn't, because I, I, I live not, yeah, I kind of live by Rune, really. I use yeah, it. Yeah, I know that. I, I, it was also why I started to uh, to try Rune uh, with the Inuus uh, streamers. Uh, it, it was, it was of course, because I watched a lot of your videos. All right. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, that's, um, that's, well, that's nice of you to say so. Thank you. Um, <laughs> sure. Anyway, look, I think I think we've pretty much covered everything that I wanted to talk about. So thank you ever so much for your time today, Mads. I really appreciate it. Yeah, and thank you for having me. Uh, it was uh, it was a uh, it was very pleasing and pleasant. <laughs> yeah. You have been listening to the Darko Audio podcast with me John Darko and Mad Bukart. This episode was produced by Nick McCorriston and music came from Ben Pitt.